the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. How do you even talk about today? I mean, where do you start? For the first time in franchise history, the Royals come from behind down sixth in the ninth. They put a seven spot on the board in the ninth inning. Would have been more even had the game not ended. The Royals walk it off against the White Sox 8-7 to seven with no Alex Gordon, no Mike Moustakis, and no Salvador Perez. We'll talk about that coming up plenty in this edition of Your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. Davo, glad you're along. Doesn't this one feel amazing? Didn't last night feel amazing? Last night, to me, being out there at the K was the first night all year at home where it truly felt like a playoff atmosphere with the crowd last night, when the Royals came back in that big inning last night. You know, put the four, four runs on the on the board there. Inning before, get the home run from Hosmer. Four spot in the seventh. A run on the 8th. Last night, those 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th innings out at the K. I've missed about three games this year. Felt like the most playoff atmosphere. Today, felt like a mortuary in the top of the ninth inning. And that was just, uh, you know, at the time, what we thought was pouring salt in the wounds and what we thought at the time was catastrophic, possibly. Both for the short term and the long term for this Royal season. And we're talking about, of course, Salvador Perez. And let's get to that play here in a second. First, though, our player of the game is Brett Eibner. It could be a number of guys in this game. It really could. But it's Eibner in the ninth inning alone after being 0 for 3 who hits a double, then scores a run. And you think that's probably it for him. He comes up again with the bases loaded in two outs, 10 pitch at bat. You know what happened. Shoots the ball hard right past Abreu in the right field for the game-winning RBI. So ninth inning alone for Brett Eibner. Second day in the big leagues. How about two hits, a run, and an RBI in one inning alone? And again, would have been more than one RBI had the game not ended there. So, wow. Uh, I don't even know what to say here. Uh, we'll come back to the ninth inning. We're going to go over this inning and how remarkable it was. But let's start with Salvador Perez. So top of the ninth inning, the Royals are down 7-1. to one. And Chen Ming Wong allows a single to Tyler Saladino. All right, whatever. 7-1, game's over. In fact, I had tweeted about two minutes before this, as it's 7-1, to one, I said, well, Chris Sale's XFIP is a little higher than his ERA, actually well over a run, so more regression is on the way soon. I like the Royals to win tomorrow. Tough loss today. But you know, I'm being positive, I thought, at that point. I mean, that, that's a pretty positive thing to say, isn't it? You're facing potentially the American League Cy Young winner this year. And you're saying, I think there's a good chance you could win tomorrow. This one's, you know, tough loss, but you just move on. You know, I think that's a pretty positive tweet. I'm not hating there. I'm just being realistic. You're done six going into the ninth inning, right? So, you know, a a little base hit there, whatever. Who cares? Game's over. We're going to beat Sale tomorrow. And then, pardon my French, we'll just say ish got real in a bad way. Adam Eaton, two and two count. After getting a night off last night, because Robin Ventura is Robin Ventura, even after a rainout decides to keep one of the best war players in all of baseball out of the game, Adam Eaton, 2-2 count, little looping popper between Wong, Cuthbert, and Salvi. And again, you know what happened by now. Cuthbert comes in pretty much in a sprint. Last second, hears and sees Salvi. Both guys were kind of calling for it, but Salvi, the louder one, the much bigger one, and of course, the team captain, or at least he should be, 
You know, your reigning World Series MVP, I guess Haas. Do they even have a captain? I don't think they do, actually. I think Sweeney's the last official captain. But, you know, Haas, Mermuz, Salvi, Gordo, you know, maybe Kane, your, your captain types in this ball club. But anyway, that doesn't matter. That's beside the point. So Cuthbert yields, even though it's an easier play for him. Tries to get out of the way, kind of does a little slide, and you know what happens. Right in the knees with Salvi, takes him off his feet. Salvi calls the training staff out right away after already injuring his left knee in the past and needing surgery a few spring trainings ago. And, you know, Royals coming against these very same White Sox last weekend, you know, uh, with Alex Gordon and Mike Moustakis. Moose out for the season. Gordo out for another three and a half weeks. Because of a collision, and, and you know, you think right away, you're like, no, not the ACL again. Moose, very similar play, tears his ACL. Salvi, who's the toughest guy in the game, never comes out of the game, calls up the training staff right away. It's pounding the ground, and it was like a mortuary in there. It really was because, man. And I felt bad for Chesler Cuthbert. You know, it ends up being a quad contusion. That's me knocking on wood because we heard that Mike Moustakis, Moustakis, what did I just say? We heard that Mike Moustakis had what the knee contusion. That's what we were told the first couple of days, and it became a torn ACL. So I, I'm going to trust the Royals training staff and Nick Kenny because they're the best in the game, and and I'm pretty sure they wouldn't come out and say that if it wasn't 100% accurate. And I'm sure, especially after the Moose one, that they're going to triple and double check it and quadruple check it. So I believe, knock on wood, it's a quad contusion. And if that's all, you know, Sean Newkirk, I'm going to give him a shout out from Royals Review, put a, a nice tweet out. Make sure you follow Sean if you don't, uh, where he compiled a list of guys who have had quad injuries. He couldn't find one with a, with a true quad contusion, but found a couple of catchers who had gone through it. It, it appeared, in, you know, anywhere from three to six weeks was pretty normal for any kind of quad injuries. Well, this is a contusion and not a pull or a, a strain. So, or, you know, so. We don't know exactly, but I'm, I'm going to guess, knowing how important the legs are to a catcher especially, I'm going to guess it's a three-week thing, hopefully. Hopefully. At this point, I think you and I both would be thrilled if Salvi's out for three weeks. I mean, when you're that close to losing another guy for a season, three weeks seems like nothing, right? Especially after you get a nice win. And let's get to this win. The Royals dodged the bullet. But yeah, I mean, at that point, so you're still down 7-1. to one, And at that point, I've gone from we're going to beat Chris Sale to, oh, crap. And I'm reading Twitter. I'm at Royals Clubhouse. If you don't follow me, Davo, and the Clubhouse Conversation Gang on Twitter, make sure you do. I'm going through my Twitter timeline and feed and, and seeing people say, even very respected Royals people say, well, I'll see you next April. If Salvi's out for the year, bye. It's over. And I'm like, come on, guys. We're you know, we're going to lose today, but we're going to be a game and a half back. You know, we got Gordo back in a few weeks. Chris Young came out the DL today. You know, we got Mike Miner looming. Chris Medlin will be back. And I know the, I know these aren't like Hall of Fame all-star, in some cases, even that far above league average players. But it's still a reinforcement. And, you know, and, and Dayton Moore's got enough stuff where he can make a trade for a smaller batter arm if he needs to. The Royals aren't going to go out and make a Zobrist and Cueto type move at the deadline. Probably nor should they at this point, no matter where they're at. I mean, you, you don't want to sacrifice too much more of your farm system. They're, you know, the Royals really only have a few blue chip type prospects left in the pipeline. But luckily there's some guys that really have a nice years down there. You look at the guys like Hunter Dozier, who's up at AAA now. Obviously, Jorge Bonifacio hitting the cover off the ball. Ryan O'Hearn promoted to Northwest Arkansas. Uh, you know, Eibner, who just got called up. Cuthbert's been up and down. I mean, you go all up and down this Merrifield, who's now up and, you know, wow. We've been telling you about him for the last 
year here on Clubhouse Conversation. Spoke with him a couple years ago. If you haven't heard that Whit Merrifield interview, make sure you go to current for, you know current player interviews here on the site and listen to that. Learn all about Whit. It's about a 20-minute long interview about his whole life growing up and everything. That's on here as well. But So, yeah, and between that, you've got lots of nice arms like Alec Mills and Matt Strom who are on the 40. You know, Miguel Almonte, and you go, you know, there's plenty of guys. We've talked to so many of them here on Clubhouse Conversation. So, you know, the Royals have enough pieces. They've got a good, you know, they've got 15 to 20 pieces that, you know, packaged together, two of them could get you a decent rental player for a couple months. But that's about all I would go this year. But my point being, I never even at that point thought the season was over. But, you know, I'm thinking to myself, crap, we're in big trouble. If we don't have Salvi or Moose, we're really, the margin for error is like nothing at that point. I mean, and that's true. There's no doubt about that. The, the margin for error for a number of reasons, which we know, is not is not big for this team. But it's amazing. Here they are, a half game out of first place or in second place behind Cleveland. With Kendris Morales hitting well under 200 and out with a sprained finger. With Mike Moustakis out for the year. With Alex Gordon out for a month total. With Salvador Perez out for a few weeks. With Medlin and Young, 40% of your rotation out for an extended period of time. With Lorenzo Cain struggling to start the year. When Gordo was in there, he was struggling. Brutal from Omar Infante. Pretty brutal from Alcides Escobar. You go all up and down and the Royals are still winning baseball games. You can't quantify what they are. It's it's defense. We always talk about that, how you can't quantify the defense. Even that's regressed some this year. I'm not even looking at numbers on that. I don't trust any defensive metric. I'm, with my eyes, I know it's, it's regressed some this year. And obviously, the numbers will bear that as well. That, that is true. I don't have those in front of me is why I'm saying that. I don't have any scientific proof in front of me right now. But I'm sure they're down the numbers. And from watching the games, it's quite obvious that, the, that you know Kane is not the same player defensively in center field. Gordo has lost a half step maybe in left. Escobar's not making some of the plays. And Fonte, maybe he's gotten even worse on defense. <laughs> Hosmer is the only one that really has looked consistent. You've got Paul Orlando taking banana rats and right, bobbling around balls. Uh, so, you know, so you know, Salvi's been a beast. Was gunning out well over forty percent. So Salvi and Hosmer continue. Those two have elevated their defense. I think Hosmer and Salvi are the best they've ever been. But other than that, so a little bit, you know. But still, with that said, the Royals are still, for my money, the best defensive team in baseball. So even with that, you can't quantify the defense. And they just know how to win. They don't have they, they don't have good at bats. So they they trust each other. They believe in each other. They just know how to win now. So it's really a pretty veteran ball club, at least the core. Although that's not totally true now that everyone's dropping like flies every day. You've got all these rookies, but the funny thing is your guys like Eibner and Merrifield are older than Hosmer and Perez, so it's an interesting bunch, that's for sure. But anyway, back on track. So you're down 7-1. We're back to the top of the ninth now, right? Life's not good. And then I start on my feed not only hearing people say the season's over, which, come on. I'm guilty of saying the Brave series was a must-sweep series. I never once said the season was over. I was saying realistically you need to sweep that series. To get where you need to get. So that's the most drastic statement I've made all year. So, you know, I, I know to a degree you could say pot kettle. But I would, I've would i never said the season is over, nor would I ever say that before August. <laughs> so, but, you know, then it gets even worse than that. So even that statement's ridiculous. Then you see people blaming Ned Yost for the Salvador Perez injury because he should have taken him out in a 7-1 to game. Well, you know what's funny is everyone... <laughs> We all think the game's over, right? Why? I, I mean, why? Nando should not have taken him out. A six-run game is not enough to take out your catcher in the ninth inning. It's fine. Leave him in. That's nothing. He did nothing wrong there. 
And obviously the game wasn't over since the Royals came back. They had a .01% chance of winning that game with one out in the ninth inning after Paul Orlando got called out on strikes. So Yost gets blamed first. Then I start reading some blame for Chesler Cuthbert. Like, it's his fault because he didn't peel off and he took out Salvi. Okay, guys, come on. Get a grip. Let's not beat Cardinals fans here. But hustling his ass off. And I hope Cuthbert's okay, too, because he did get his first at bat there with one out in the first pitch and got a single to kind of get that rally started in the, in the ninth inning. And then his last time up, they brought in Gerard Dyson to pinch hit. So I don't, I don't know if that was just a matchup thing. We saw Cuthbert limping a bit. So hopefully he'll be okay. So you're just depressed, though. You're reading these people going off the ledge. and You, you understand it. You don't say anything. You know, I'm talking to the third person here. I, I don't say anything. I'm just kind of like, okay, I mean, I get the frustration. You know, it's a little irrational here, but okay, you know, I'm depressed too. I, don't, I, don't, I tweeted, I don't know what to say. You know, I've got nothing to say right now. And I had a sick, you know, that sick feeling in my stomach for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then things started happening a little bit better after Austin Jackson strikes out, Todd Frazier, backwards K to end the inning. We go to the commercial break, still depressed. Your Donovan Ventura can't strike anybody out anymore, let alone get anybody out anymore. Seven innings, six runs, Nine hits for Ventura. The no walks was good. I'll give him that. The seven innings was good. 107 pitches. So he saved the bullpen today. That is good. Royals only had to use up Mr. Wong out there. That, that's good. The bullpen will look really, really good and really strong for tomorrow and going forward with no off days for a few days here. So that's a good thing. You've seen more maturity from Ventura this year, by the way. I'll give him credit. He's not pitching well, but he's trying to be more of a pitcher. He's not throwing temper tantrums. He's not attacking players, throwing at players. He's he looks like a professional. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give Ventura some some credit. With that said, he's he's having a bad year. Very bad year. Five point one seven ERA now for Ventura. And the XFIP's even worse, if that's possible. He's not missing bats. He's had really really he's only had two good starts the whole year. So you add that to the seven one deficit, who cares anymore? Orlando strikes out. And then I start feeling better slightly. Cuthbert gets a first pitch single. Okay. Brett Eibner, opposite field. I thought it was a home run and off the crack of the bat. A double. Okay, cool. You know, Eibner, very nice. Double. Second one in two days. All right. Omar Infante walks, which was a miracle. Bases loaded now. Okay, whatever. One out. Escobar walks? Okay. You're starting to feel a little better. This is kind of a cute story. They're not giving up. They never give up. That's cool, right? That's, that's what we're thinking right here as we go along. Whit Merrifield singles, and then things get real. Right when that Whit Merrifield single deflects off of David Robertson, the closer for the White Sox, to score Ibner and Infante, it's 7-4 to four now. And you've got the tying run coming up with Lorenzo Cain. So now you're like, okay, well, we got a shot now. You know, you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to get my hopes up too much, but I'm starting to feel a little, I'm, I'm distracted from Salvi. I'm not thinking about that now. I'm in, I'm in the game again. I'm starting to feel a little bit better. And then Lorenzo Cain hits what was nearly a game-ending double play, but gets down the line, hustles his butt off. Tip of the cap to Kane, gets a run in. It's 7-5 to five KC. Okay, runner at first, two outs. Hosmer's coming up, one swing of the bat. Last night, Robin Ventura was an idiot and brought in Dan Jennings to face Hosmer with first base open. Royals down one. Hosmer gets the base hit. I don't know why you would pitch to Hosmer there and not just walk him and, and go to Perez. But And, and today, I understand not. You, you don't walk him there. There's no base open, technically, first of all. You don't, you don't put the tying run on base and the winning run at the plate. So I get that there. But once again, they pitch to him and he makes him pay. Hosmer ropes a double. Now it's getting really interesting. It's 7-6 to six and you've got the tying run at second base. 
Tommy Canley comes in from the White Sox bullpen for Robertson. The Royals knock out the White Sox closer. But Drew Butera is up. It's a Salvi slot in the lineup. So you haven't thought about Salvi for about five, ten minutes now. And now you're like, oh, crap, Salvi. Oh, please win this now, especially. And just like game four in Houston last year, Drew Butera again comes up with a huge at bat. Didn't you almost feel like he was going to get a hit there? I really did. I, I just felt like Drew Butera would come through there. And there's nothing in the stats that would say that's going to happen. <laughs> there's nothing really that indicates that besides a small sample size of a semi-similar situation last year. Obviously, the ALDS Game 4 in Houston, a much bigger stage than this with your season literally on the line, literally on the line in that situation. He had the key bat of that eighth inning with that key walk that he battled for. But this was a similar inning, improbable, uh, a bouncing ball up the middle that deflects off a defender. In last year's case, Correa kind of miffed it. This this time, you know, it hit, hit off Robertson in the mound, got through. You know, and then Butera comes up in a key situation. It kind of felt the same. They are both improbable. This, this one was even more improbable than that one. And what does he do? He ropes the hit, tie the game. As things turn out with some... Runners moving around. Paul Orlando, Gerard Dyson get intentionally walked eventually. Bases loaded for Brett Eibner, like I already said. Pitch 10, 98-mile-an-hour four-seamer. Ropes it past Jose Abreu into right. Bam! Walk-off win. Royals could have had a 10-run inning there. Do you realize that? You know, two run, another run scores on that if they don't stop the game. So that's already an eight-run inning when that ball got through. Now, granted, the White Sox probably wouldn't have walked two guys intentionally if it wasn't the ninth inning. So I guess that's kind of an irrelevant thing to say. So anyway, but it's, it's fun to think about that. A seven-run ninth, first time in franchise history. I mean, it, Realistically, I wonder how long that inning would have gone if they would have kept going. I don't know. We'll never know. We don't need to know, thankfully. The Royals improbably do it again. 26 and 22. The Sox now 27 and 23. One last thought before we get to tomorrow's series finale and looking at the matchup. Another reason that I'm not of the ilk that the Moose injury is completely screwing this team over. Well, first of all, the Royals have some guys that can play third base, which is a good sign. They've got Cuthbert. They've got Whit Merrifield. And down in Omaha, Hunter Dozier is having a really nice year. First round pick a few years back. So the Royals have some in-house guys for third base. You can find a decent second baseman if you need to at the deadline. Like I said, for one or two of those pitching prospects, you don't really want to give up. But you're not going to have to give up a Mondesi. You're not going to have to give up a Bonifacio or any of those guys. And, and if you do, then just don't make the move. Scour the waiver wire. You know, Just find somebody internally. And right field, I don't, I don't think the Royals have to make a move in the outfield anymore. Assuming Alex Gordon comes back healthy. you got Gordo Kane. I mean, Orlando looks good. You've got Dyson. You know, maybe Eibner, you can stick Merrifield. So the Royals, to me, really might only end up having one hole, which is second base. Because I don't think Chesler Cuthbert can play second base. I don't know that his bat's going to be good enough at this point either to stick at second base. I mean, it's good Okay, it's good enough to stick at second base if he plays a good defensive second base. Let me rephrase that. Obviously, if he plays a good defensive second base, he's an above average, most likely, you would think, or at least league average. We don't have enough sample size, but I think the eye test, probably he's an average offensive second baseman in the American League right now. I can accurately and, and pretty confidently say that. But he, but he's not because the defense isn't good enough. So you can't my point is the bat's not good enough to put him at second for the lack of range if, if he's not going to hit like, you know, amazing. 
So to me, that that's that's another reason why. But the, the the main reason that is, let's go back to give Dayton Moore another pat in the back and more credit. For years, as Royals fans, or at least me, you look at teams like the Twins and the Cardinals, right? You know, teams regionally around here who win year after year for a good decade or whatever. And they always have these annoying players. You'd always say, okay, they're going to suck next year. They, they lost... Well, Pujols is too recent of an example. But, you know, they lose a player like a Pujols or whoever. The Twins, you know, Torrey Hunter goes away or whatever. They, they always lose guys or somebody gets hurt and you see Nick Punto come in. Or Bo Hart plays for the Cardinals. I mean, he's bringing these guys like Jamie Carroll. I mean, these players that you're like, these guys suck. I've never heard of this guy. And they just had these bouncing balls through the middle and blue pits. And you'd all say, wow, they're so lucky. Like a lot of the teams say about the Royals now. Oh, they're so lucky. They just get singles and hit holes. You know what? That Not really. A lot of teams have been doing that for a long time. It's a credit to what the Royals are doing. They're not rushing guys. Brett Eibner would have been up in Kansas City two years ago had this been 2007, 2006. Scott Alexander probably the setup guy right now back then. Brian Flynn would probably be the number five starter, number four starter. Ventura would be the number one. Well, he is kind of the number one or was last year. But, I mean, you, you, you get the point, though. He would probably be their best starter right now back a decade ago. Like, the point being now these guys don't get rushed. So you've got guys like Whit Merrifield who are probably ready for the big leagues a year and a half ago. For sure last year. You've got guys like Eibner, same thing if he's healthy. And you've got more guys down there that are ready. Plenty of arms. I mean, you see guys, the Royals... Cast off their 40. Lewis Coleman's got a prominent setup role for the Dodgers. Uh, Buddy Bauman, who they never even gave a shot to in the 40, gets a major league deal. Before the steroids, Daniel Stump, who was at Arcan- Northwest Arkansas last year, gets a, makes the Phillies major league roster as Rule 5. Like, I mean, that's my point. I, my point being, the, let's not act like it's the end of the world that Moose is out or Salvi's out. Dayton Moore has done a fantastic job. This Just because this system doesn't have guys that are Hosmer or Moose anymore. The, the you know I agree. There's no like you know perennial All Star type players, probably in the upper levels right now. I, you know I don't know that any of these guys you can say are, are big league hall. You know big league All Stars. Uh, Cuthbert's not. Merrifield's not. Eibner's not. Hunter Dozier's probably not. He could be a, a damn good player. Who knows? He's got first round talent. He's, he's put things together. But my point being, yes, you're right that they don't have the Baseball America top 100 prospects anymore. But they have guys who are baseball players, who are pros, who have won together, who have come up together. It's this whole atmosphere. It's back to what Dayton Moore said when he took over. We're going to no sunglasses over the KC and the hat. We're going to wear our uniform the same way. We're going to win. We're going to have fun. We're going to graduate each level together. We're not going to rush guys. We're going to do this the right way. And that's why we're seeing that pay off now. We've already seen it pay off with the World Series back-to-back years and a fun year in 2013. But But now we're seeing depth that the prospect list don't talk about. No one talks about Whit Merrifield. No one talks about Brett Eibner nationally. I mean, yeah, they make the Royals top 20. Well, I don't even think Merrifield did, actually. Eibner has been off and on. But, I mean, you, you look at these guys, my point being, you know, there's plenty of arms down there, too. And people say we have nothing to trade anymore. We actually do have some nice arms. Dayton Moore, is de- my, my last point on this is he's really developed de- depth, and he's doing now what we saw the Cardinals and Twins do to the Royals for all these years, which is why another reason why I'm still pretty confident in this bunch, even despite the injuries. Now, Catching-wise, there's not much there, so let's hope Salvi's okay. There's a couple positions on the field. Shortstop, catcher, possibly center field that are, I don't want to say irreplaceable, but would be big blows. I mean, Moose is a blow. Don't get me wrong, guys. He's, I mean, obviously, gold glove, all-star third baseman would have probably led your team in home runs. You know, the heart and soul of the team. I mean, obviously, it's a blow, no doubt. They're not going to replace Moose. No no one's going to come in and duplicate his numbers. My point being, though, 
the Royals have enough depth, enough energy, enough options internally, and to get a piece or two more if they need to from those options that they have that have been under the radar the last couple of years ever since the Hosmers and Mooses and the best farm system of all time graduated past the minors. You don't hear too much about the Royals' farm system. It's usually 15 to 20 range the last couple of years, but maybe it's better than people give it credit for. All right, Chris Sale, Edinson, Volquez wrap this up tomorrow. The Royals, once again, is this four series in a row they can go for a sweep? Is that right? They haven't done it. They, they've, you know, five straight series now. They've won a series, but I, I, you know, this is the chance. They had a chance against Atlanta, couldn't do it against the Sox last time. So you know, on and on and on. So hopefully the Royals can get it done here and get a sweep. It's gonna be tough. Chris Sale, nine and one, a two two six. You've got to think he's the early American League favorite to win the Cy Young to this point. Nine and one, two two six. Eddie Volquez, five and four with the three six seven. Sale comes off a rough outing against Cleveland. I don't know if that's good or bad news. Three and a third, six runs, seven hits, and four walks for Sale. And his ERA of two two six, according to XFIP, should be three four zero. So you would think more regression in the next three starts is coming. It may not be this start, but. It's coming in the next few starts. Uh, there'll probably be one more blow-up. For him, that's a blow-up, obviously. Six runs and three and a third is a, might end up being his worst start of the year, honestly, as good as he is. Against Sale, the Royals have actually had some success. A guy that misses a lot of at-bats blows guys away. But Lorenzo Cain, 43 at-bats, has taken him deep three times. Low Cain hitting 349. Eske took him deep in 52 at-bats, 385. Haas, 303 and 33 at-bats. Paulo. Two for six with the home run, Butera 0 for two. I would imagine the Royals have one left-handed bat in the lineup tomorrow, and that's just Hosmer, which is not really going out on much of a limb because do they even have any of the left-handed bats? <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, do they? Gordon's on the DL, Moose is on the DL. Do we have any left-handed? We have a switch, but Kendrys is not going to play. He'd be right-handed anyways. I guess that's not really much of a stretch since there aren't any other left-handed. Oh, there's Dyson, sorry. So Dyson won't play, but that'll be it. So, yeah, really going out in the ledge here on these predictions tonight. <laughs> Eibner is yet to see him. Merrifield, Cuthbert, the other guys that will be in the lineup tomorrow. Now, Eddie Volquez comes off six and two-thirds against the Twins on Tuesday, allowing two earned runs on six hits. Only one White Sox has seen him 10 at-bats or more and hit 300. That's Melky Cabrera with a home run at 348. So so Eddie really has held the socks down pretty well. Well, this is a much longer dish than I anticipated. I thought it'd be, you know, 20 minutes. We're pushing 30, so we'll get you on your way here. Uh be back with you again tomorrow on Clubhouse Conversation. Make sure if you haven't listened to it yet, the Glenn Sparkman interview I published the other night on Wednesday. The 2014 Carolina League pitcher of the year, Wilmington pitcher of the year coming back from Tommy John. A real talking about the under the radar guys, another guy that hopefully if he comes back from the injury strong will be another guy under the radar. And he's the kind of arm, him plus one other guy, is the kind of arm that could get you a nice second baseman for two months. Uh, you know, a, a, not a Zobris, but not an Infante either. So the Royals have the, the means to make this move if they have to. And I'm, hopefully they won't trade Glenn because I love Glenn and I'm a big fan of his. So check that interview if you can. I've also got an interview with a top 20 Royals prospect, probably a top 10 at this point, if you updated it right now. Mid-season the top 10 for sure. Who am I talking about? Hmm, he's in Omaha. Hmm. We'll speak with him coming up in a couple of days as well on Clubhouse Conversation. Until then, have a great night and go Royals. What a day, and thank goodness Salvi appears to be okay. One more time. Knock on wood.